BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there's so much information out there, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing my own experiences to help you sift through all the wellness stuff without the BS. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I just woke up as I'm recording this, so I'm going to do my best to do a solo episode, Q&A. I'm very sleepy, but Hopefully this will energize me and it'll be somewhat coherent and articulate. I've gotten a lot of messages, a lot of feedback that you guys want more solo episodes. So I'm going to make sure to start doing at least one per month, probably more. So let me know if that is something you guys want. Sometimes I feel repetitive, but I can just like update you on my life when there's something interesting going on and stories and what I'm doing with my wellness and beauty and how I'm feeling and moving through things. So for this episode, I had you sending questions on Instagram. And as usual, it'll be kind of random, but I'm going to try to make it somewhat cohesive. So I addressed this in the last solo episode, but I keep getting tons of messages about my diet and exercise, which I updated you on. I talked about the parasite and I don't know, maybe people missed it or assumed that it changed since I recorded that episode. But I really only just started working out a couple weeks ago after being very ill from that parasite. All of March, April and May, I just had zero energy and I really wanted to listen to my body and rest and recover until I felt like I had enough energy, not only to workout and like sustain an entire workout, but to where it wouldn't cause me to regress and be even more exhausted because that is my MO. When I'm sick or I have like a surgery and I don't mean cosmetic surgery, but I'm thinking about when I had my ovarian cyst removed back in 2016, I was literally doing BBG, but modified like five days later because I think I was addicted to working out at that time in my life. And I was just scared to take any kind of real time off. And I remember so distinctly 
being in the gym, doing walking lunges. I had just had this cyst removed through my belly button where they like blow up your stomach and it was done laparoscopically, but still like a major invasive surgery. And I remember being in so much pain and I regressed. And I do that when I'm sick and recovering, like I'll push it, whether it's with working out or getting back to work, running around. And then I end up backsliding and being even more exhausted and taking more time to recover than I would have. So I didn't want to do that. So I started with some short walks, like 20, 30 minutes maybe, which I'm doing a couple days a week. I've also started doing like 15 to 30 minute light Pilates twice a week. It depends on how hard it is. If it's hard, like if I'm doing Forma online, I'm doing 15 minutes. Sometimes I'll do like a 30 minute Obey, which tends to be a little bit lighter. And then I just started last week doing strength training and lightweights with Harley. So I'm going to do that like once a week. And we are on Operation Build My Booty, Harley and I. So I think because I lost weight, from not working out. And like I said last time, I just get skinny when I don't work out, which I know is probably very obnoxious, but that's what happens. People assumed that I had changed up my diet and exercise regimen, but really I was like eating pasta and sitting around. So I know that's very annoying, but I keep saying this, like I think my genetics are such that I'm like a skinny athletic build. So when I work out, I look a little more athletic. And when I don't, I'm just kind of like thin and lean. Everybody in my family is lean and petite. And that unfortunately, fortunately, I don't know, plays a big role in how we look. And I don't think that anybody really talks about this. Like I look at influencers who people follow for their workout regimens. And I get that like people understand that you can do somebody's workout routine and you're going to look different. But I just don't feel like anybody really discusses like how much genetics play a role. So I'm not trying to sound like, yeah, I'm just like blessed with good genetics, but that's just the reality of it. So my working out really is just to like sculpt. I'm trying to work on my core my ass, my posture. And really at the end of the day, like I want to feel my best. So I'm not really trying to change my body except, like I said, shape, sculpt a little, oh, back of my arms. Like those are the areas that I try to target, but it's really not about weight or weight loss or anything. So yeah, walking light Pilates, Harley once a week. I'll probably go back to Forma and do Reformer Pilates once or twice a week once I feel a little bit stronger because that is just so hard. And diet wise, what have I been eating? Oh, that ricotta veggie pasta. I can't remember if the one that I posted had pesto in it, but I posted it maybe, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. That really had a chokehold on me for a minute there. And I was definitely wondering, like, how am I eating pasta and sitting around and not blowing up like a balloon. But if you listened to my episode with Simon Hill two weeks ago, I asked him if some people are more carb efficient versus more protein or fat efficient. And he said maybe, but also he said something like pasta is more filling. So maybe if you're sitting around eating pasta, not being active, first of all, you're going to have less of an appetite. And also because it's so filling, you may be eating less calories than if you're eating, say, like low carb, but eating protein and fat. Like I find personally when I eat that way, I'm definitely hungrier and I end up eating more volume and I try to like satiate that hunger with more fat and maybe I end up eating more calories that way. 
And I don't know, I really don't care or pay attention to calories, but that's something to think about. And I think where a lot of people kind of miscalculate when they're trying to be healthy or eat healthy or lose weight or lean out, they eliminate carbs or they eliminate certain foods or food groups and end up being hungrier and eating more and snacking more and eating more calories than they would if they were just not restricting. So obviously there's so much more to it. Like you don't just want to like sit around and eat pasta all day. Obviously, we need different macronutrients and micronutrients and vitamins and antioxidants and like polyphenols. I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist, but diversity, all of that. But I just know for myself, when I stopped restricting, and I probably sound like a broken record if you've listened to all my episodes, but when I stopped restricting, I stopped obsessing. I really stopped thinking about food so much. I stopped trying to control it. I stopped snacking so much and trying to like eat my way around the thing that I was craving and just not feeling satisfied versus just like eating whatever I feel like everything kind of balanced out. And I mean, my weight, my cravings, my digestive issues, bloating, all of that just kind of like fixed itself. And it's kind of like my body returned to some kind of homeostasis or something. I don't know. It's very interesting. So that's just me. Now I'm off on a tangent as usual. But like I said, genetics, metabolism, activity, body type, so many things come into play. And I know for some people it's not as easy as just like if you have a craving, just eat whatever you want. But I do think for all of us, there is a place where we can tune into our bodies and we're able to feel and hear and understand our body's cues and honor that and achieve this kind of like effortless balance. So all of that said, you're probably like, great, Ariel, like really happy for you. Just tell us what you eat. So on an average day for me, I'll wake up. I have my Kalina coconut yogurt plain because as much as I love the flavors, they do have a lot of sugar. So plain coconut yogurt with protein powder and some berries. And I'll do some like chia seeds, flax seeds. Sometimes I'll add like a nut butter. So I try to do that within... 30-ish minutes of waking up. I know Rob Yang, when he came on my podcast, said protein source matters here and protein powder isn't as beneficial as like eggs or some kind of animal protein. But I just usually can't do that, especially early in the morning. So I do that. You know, I have my macadamia nuts always. And that is really satiating because it's very high in fat and high in protein. And then for lunch, I've been doing like a siete wrap with some eggs, spinach, avocado, maybe some black beans, salsa, hot sauce. Sometimes I make this jalapeno ranch that I got from Tegan, Half-Baked Harvest. It's so good. So basically like a breakfast wrap for lunch, or sometimes I get Erwan taquitos or something from the hot bar there, like veggies, rice, and a protein. I've been in Malibu off and on lately, so... Like a few days ago, I did lobster rolls. So it definitely varies. And then sometimes I'll snack in the morning or the afternoon. It totally depends, but I'll have crackers or a bar. And then for dinner, I've been drinking bone broth before dinner while I'm cooking. So this helps me to get protein in because I have been eating just so much less animal protein. And I get the benefits of bone broth. And it kind of helps with satiety too. So then I'll either do like that pasta with veggies and ricotto and pesto. 
or fish and veggies and rice. So that's a normal day for me. Oh, a lot of days I get a smoothie too. It depends what I'm doing. It depends on my workout. I reward my workouts with a smoothie, like always. <laughs> it's kind of what gets me through. So yeah. Okay. Someone asked how to heal their relationship with food. So I feel like I've talked about this kind of ad nauseum and obviously I'm not a therapist or a dietitian or anything, but actually that would actually be my biggest suggestion. Work with someone who can help you work through like the underlying issues there, which I think we all have or have had at some point, like food and body image is just so ingrained in us from such a young age. It's really something that requires some hard work, I think, to unwire And I've talked about this before, but I feel like I was really fortunate in that through my recovery from alcoholism and addiction and the things that I did to continue to do in my recovery and maintain my sobriety, it really helped with my eating disorder and my disordered thoughts and patterns around food. But I definitely had to go through some pain and sobriety especially early on with like binge eating, macro counting, like I said, over exercising, maybe exercise addiction until I really hit a bottom with all of it. And I was like, God, like I did not get sober and free myself from the prison I was in with drugs and alcohol to just be a prisoner to this other thing, like constant thoughts and obsession around food and my body and all of that. Like it was exhausting. And I was really able to break free from that through my spirituality and becoming very aware of my thoughts and my motives and just like getting sick of living that way. I've said this before, but I remember a mentor of mine said, you know, when you straighten out spiritually, you'll straighten out mentally and physically. And that's been my experience. But when I get diverted from prioritizing my recovery practices and my spirituality, I can get self-obsessive and self-centered. And that's when those thoughts and those behaviors around food and exercise and body image and control, like all of that can crop back up. So If you're not in recovery and you don't have these tools, I think therapy is a really helpful tool for noticing and working on thoughts and behaviors. And then, of course, working with a dietitian can really help to overcome fears, I think, around certain foods or food in general. It can be really helpful. And I've talked about this before, but my friend and frequent guest of the show, Vanessa Rosetto, she has a company called Kalina Health. This is not an ad. I just think what she's doing is amazing. They are all dietitians. They take insurance and they can help with this. And last time she was on the show, she was like, yeah, you know, people will really quickly go to therapy for mental health issues, but people don't think to see a dietitian for food issues. And like, we're here to help. So definitely utilize that. And then I know I talk a lot about just stopping restricting food, like I was talking about in the beginning of the episode and, you know, not restricting food groups. And when you're able to do that, I think the cravings and the disordered patterns tend to slip away, but there's usually more to it than that. And I know that there's usually mental and emotional work that needs to be done before you get to that place. It's not just as easy as like, okay, I'm going to stop restricting. Kind of on this subject is how to deal with body confidence issues. So again, I'll say having gone through all the phases when it comes to body confidence and body image and restrictive and disordered practices around this. This is going to sound like a really 
fucking Pollyanna, I'm sure. But when I'm focused outward and I'm busy with work and I'm busy with my social life and I'm being interested in other people and things and getting outside of myself, how I feel about my body or my appearance just in general becomes way less loud and important. Like I just don't think about it that much. And I know that I do TikTok videos on procedures and beauty and skincare. And I talk about it here. And, you know, I've been told that there's like Reddit threads on how all I do is travel around and get surgery. And the reality is that's just the content that people are interested in there. So I share the things that I've done over the years. And like, yeah, I'm not going to deny or lie about the fact that I do things to maintain and do things that make me feel good. But it's such a tiny fraction of my life because I feel really fulfilled through my job and my social life and my relationships and interests and hobbies. And I'm just more focused, especially this year, outward than inward. And I feel like maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that comes with age too. But if I sit around on social media all day, then yes, I'm going to get compare and despair that's going to creep in. I'm going to compare my insides to other people's outsides. I'm going to compare my outsides to other people's outsides. And I know it's like easy for me to say because I've had like my boobs done. I've had things done on my face, this and that. But I think it goes for anyone. The less you can think about yourself, the happier and more content you'll be. So whatever that looks like for you, for me, a lot of that is through my recovery. And like I said, work, relationships, et cetera. I think that there's so much relief in taking the attention off yourself, however you can do that. And there is a wellness aspect to this as well, where I think in general, anyone will feel better about themselves when they're taking care of themselves and their bodies. So finding some kind of activity you like to do, trying to eat in ways that nourish and support your body and make you feel good, hydrate, you know, these basic fundamental things like get good sleep. If you can learn to approach all of these from a place of love and support for yourself instead of a place of punishment and self-loathing, you're going to feel better in your body and feel more confident because you know you're taking care of yourself. Does my wellness routine change with trends and new info or am I consistent? I would say I'm pretty consistent. I am not like a biohacker, (laughs) not somebody who jumps on trends. I tend to be very moderate with my wellness routine as you're hearing in this episode. And I have found that the best thing that works for me is doing what feels good because what feels good is sustainable. And usually what feels good for me is just a very balanced approach to like my nutrition, my exercise, all of that. So there are some trends that I incorporate sometimes like cold plunging or breath work, which I don't know if that's a trend so much as a modality or a tool. But in general, I think my approach is kind of along the lines of like what Harley talked about on my podcast, which is just a very common sense approach. So do some kind of movement, do some kind of mindfulness, eat enough, eat things that make me feel good. Although I do eat things that I know will give me a food hangover sometimes if I think it's worth it. And I think that's part of a balanced approach. Drink enough water, get enough sleep. Like now I'm really sounding like a broken record, but I think it's pretty simple and straightforward. Okay. Simple steps for starting to be healthier. So I think this totally depends on where you are starting and what healthier means to you. So 
my idea of healthy may be different than your idea of healthy. Same with wellness. Like it means different things to different people. But I would recommend getting pen to paper. So I talked about this a long time ago, but I really believe in taking inventory of where you are and where you want to be if there's something that you want to change. So I think it can be really kind of nebulous to just be like, I want to be healthier. Like, what do you want that to look like? How do you want to feel? I think that's probably more important, actually, than what you want your habits to be. So like you want to work out more. Why? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to have more energy? Do you want to feel more confident? Great. So put that all down on paper. Like, what is this healthier version of you? What does this person do? How does this person feel? Then you can write down what you do and how you feel currently. So like make columns, current and future, and then figure out what action or habit you can change to get yourself from where you are now to where you want to be. So what would that future self do today? Basically, I just think there's so much power in getting something down on paper because it's always kind of murky when it's just in your thoughts. But once you have some concrete, actionable things, then you can make those changes. But all of that said, health and wellness to me are basically like having energy to live fully, to feel connected and to feel good doing so. So the things that support that are, again, I'm getting bored with myself already, guys good sleep, good nutrition, some kind of movement where I'm challenging myself, hydration, maintaining my relationships. Like this is huge, the social aspect of it, challenging myself personally and professionally, maintaining my spiritual condition. Those are the things that I really focus on. How do I not get obsessed with wellness when it's my job? So... I would say if anything, I get wellness fatigue. Like I think it's like anything that you're exposed to all the time or really any job where you just get kind of desensitized and kind of over it at some points. But I'm definitely at an age and a place in my life where I'm not just doing something just because I'm not going to do something just because someone else is doing it or somebody else is suggesting it. I'm going to do what feels right to me. And that's definitely my approach to wellness or like just my lifestyle when it comes to my health and well-being. And then as far as products and trends and tips and all of that, I don't feel like I'm really lacking in any area. So I don't think that I really need to add anything to my wellness practices to enhance my life. I don't have any health issues. I'm not obsessed with my diet and exercise. I have good routines. I work on my mental and emotional and spiritual health on a daily basis. So I feel like I'm good. And I hope this episode isn't coming across like I have it all figured out. But I think after so much trial and error throughout the years, I know what works for me and I know what doesn't. And that definitely changes sometimes. And occasionally I have to make some modifications to like what and how I'm eating. I change my meditations. Sometimes I need therapy more than other times. Sometimes I have to do breath work for 10 minutes and take a three minute cold shower and go for a long walk and journal if I'm feeling a lot of anxiety or working through something hard. But to me now, it's like I just have tools and I know when to take them out and use them versus having a rigid lifestyle of wellness and all these things that I'm doing and I don't even really know why I'm doing them. Okay, now I am having wellness burnout, so I'm going to switch gears and maybe do some beauty or some other randomness. Let's see. Do I ever feel the fear of aging and feel like I'm in competition with younger women? 
I was definitely more afraid of aging, like in my early 30s, because it seemed like such a big transition from 20s to 30s. And it's so scary. But I feel like this past year, I feel way better about it. I'm way more comfortable in my skin and more confident than ever. And I don't just mean with how I look, but I feel confident in who I am. I feel confident in my life choices. I feel energized and motivated and focused professionally. I feel fulfilled socially. I'm just really grateful for like my health and just the life that I have in general. So I think some of that is obviously due to circumstances, but I also do hear people say that they feel better the older they get. And I mean, people in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s and their 70s, because you gain wisdom and you gain perspective and life experience. And I think every year that passes, the less fucks I give, to be totally honest, pardon my language. I just don't give a fuck. I'm sorry what anybody thinks of me. And there's so much freedom in that. So in that sense, I don't fear aging because I do have the evidence or the experience, especially from 30 to 37. Yep, I'm 37, where it's gotten better every year. So I definitely don't feel like I'm in competition with anybody except for maybe myself, you know, as cliche as that is. I don't really feel like I'm in competition with younger women, again, because of that confidence and that security that I feel. I think a few years ago, if you asked me that, I would have said yes. And I was kind of like ashamed of my age, like especially in this industry. But now, you know, it's just been like a complete 180. So obviously, I don't want to use my youthful skin and my elasticity and my collagen and my appearance. But that's just part of the deal, I guess. And we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And thank God for lasers and surgery and Botox and all of the technologies that we have available to us. I'm not saying I'm going to go the route of Madonna. Hope she's okay, by the way. But I'm also going to, you know, utilize all of these things as I get older and, you know, utilize them kind of preventatively too, as I do now. So something that drives me crazy, this is a side note, but when people are like, can't women just age gracefully, like meaning not have anything done? Because it's kind of like what I was saying about health and wellness earlier. Everyone's definition of aging gracefully is going to be different. And who's to say that doing things to maintain your appearance, however you want, isn't aging gracefully. Like there's so many tasteful ways to go about that in today's day and age. We don't have to look like the golden girls when we turn 40. And I just feel like so many of the people who say that, you know, about aging gracefully, like it's very hypocritical because they probably color their hair. They probably work out to look a a certain way. But yeah, that's just something. I've been seeing that a lot, especially on my TikTok. And that just kind of irks me a little bit. So I had to say that. Okay. A few people asked about Kat Sadler's facelift. My thoughts on that. Any details that I know? I don't know anything more than what she shared. And my thoughts on mini lifts in general. So my thoughts are, you know, good for her. Good for her for being public about it too. Everybody is entitled to privacy And I totally understand wanting to be private about having any work done, especially in the public eye, because the backlash is so crazy. And yeah, I'm sure she could have gotten away with it had she not said anything. She just really looks refreshed. 
And to the untrained eye, I'm sure people would have thought that she just got some Botox and is really well rested. And that's basically what everyone in Hollywood does. Like they get surgical procedures from a really young age, small tweaks here and there, you know, maybe an early facelift. So it's not this dramatic thing all of a sudden when they turn 45 where they have a completely new face and everybody notices. So I see so many comments on pictures of women who have had copious amounts of work done where people are like, she's such a natural beauty, you know, like Selena Gomez. Who else? Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. I have to say allegedly about all of this, but (laughs) I spotted that as soon as I saw her promo for her new movie. And then Lori Hill did a breakdown of all the work she's had done over the years. And there is a lot, but she looks amazing and she looks like herself. And like Angelina Jolie got a facelift during the pandemic and she looks great. Sorry, allegedly. But you'd think that she was just super blessed, great genetics, takes really good care of herself. But anyway, all of this is to say, I think Kat looks amazing. I know surgeons are talking about the benefits of doing lifts younger as it kind of sets the clock back like 10 or 15 years. So if you do it when you're 45, then by the time you're 60, you're still going to look like you're in your 40s. You're going to look great. And you can probably just do some tweaks to maintain. That brings me to best treatment for lower face laxity and jowls, best neck tightening. I mean, if you have excess skin, that's surgery, period. Like, I'm not a doctor, but I just don't know anything minimally invasive that is going to give a good lasting result. So I really get nervous, too, about radiofrequency. I think it can be great for the right person, but I think it's used too much and it can affect the fat and the tissue that we want to maintain. Like you don't want to just melt all that fat, especially like in your neck and your jaw, your lower face, your mid face. Like you need that at a certain point when you start aging. So neck tightening, neck lift, lower face laxity and jowls, face lift. (laughs) That's just my opinion. Fuck, Mary kill, Botox, skincare, cosmetic surgery. I would kill Botox as much as I love it, although I'm completely Botox resistant now. So yeah, got to kill that one. Mary, skincare and fuck cosmetic surgery. So again, Botox can be amazing, but it has limitations and Botox isn't going to do anything for skin laxity, excess skin. Skincare is so important because you can have all the surgery, but if you're not taking care of your skin, it's not going to look that great. Dr. Karam, who was on my podcast, who I love. He said 50% of looking young is skin quality and 50% is face shape. And the face shape obviously can be modified with like surgery, you know, facelifts, volume, fat transfers, but skin quality is so important. I did a morning skincare routine on my TikTok and it went like kind of viral-ish, like maybe 250,000 views. So many people were like, and surgery. And I was like, Yeah. And surgery. But like that doesn't affect my skin quality. Obviously, if you have like super lax skin and you get a facelift or something and it's a little more taut, it's going to look better. But like completely different things in sobriety. What are the biggest things that bring me joy? I love this question. Really, like literally everything brings me joy because of the perspective I have and the way that I perceive life as a result of my recovery. Like kind of like what I was saying before, I know what it feels like to be dependent on substances to get me through life and deal with emotions and situations. I know what it feels like to not want to drink or take drugs or take a pill, but do it anyway, because I didn't think that I could not do it. Like I didn't think that I 
could get through the day or not have anxiety if I didn't take a pill. I didn't think that I could be in a social situation if I didn't have a drink. And I didn't want to do it because I never knew how it was going to end. But I couldn't not. And I know what it feels like to want a different life, but not know how to change. And I know what it feels like to be a slave to the circumstances in my life. And I don't live like that anymore. And I heard somebody say recently that alcoholism is the only disease where you're better in recovery than you would have been had you never had the disease, something along those lines, meaning we're given these tools and this way of living in recovery. That is like a superpower, in my opinion. Like, I'm so grateful for my recovery and I'm so grateful that I'm an alcoholic and I'm so grateful for the ability to handle life on life's terms and be reminded daily, like what is truly important and really just to enjoy life. So if I'm keeping that perspective, every day brings me joy, not all day, every day, but I can experience joy. But if you want me to get specific, my friendships bring me joy. My job brings me joy. The ability to go anywhere and do anything sober gives me joy. Sometimes even at like nine and a half years sober, that's still overwhelming to me because I couldn't go anywhere or do anything without drinking or taking a pill or taking a drug or whatever before I got sober. And the fact that I haven't thought about alcohol or drugs in nine and a half years brings me joy. Like somebody recently said, well, obviously you still crave it, right? And I was like, I have not thought about alcohol. Even if I'm around alcohol, I don't think about alcohol. Like it's such, such a gift. So just complete freedom from the craving and the obsession. My family brings me joy. Harvey brings me joy. (laughs) The challenges I face daily and like the ability to navigate and overcome them brings me joy. Evolving spiritually brings me joy. Matcha (laughs) brings me joy. Cooking and food and music and exercise and learning. Like you get it. I probably sound like I'm manic or something in this podcast. So I will say like, it's not to say that I'm happy all the time, but if I can remind myself of what it was like before sobriety, and I don't just mean the drinking because that was just a symptom of what was going on inside, but the way that I perceived and experienced life, the way that I made myself a victim to my circumstances, like the way that I was so dependent on people and things and just remembering that versus life now, like I can access that joy usually whenever I want, even though it may be fleeting sometimes. Okay, last one. I'm going to do a random one. Oh, how long do I hang out in my robe? My friends judge me for it. I love this question. Oh, and just for clarity, it's the person who asked the question who said her friends judge her for it. My friends don't judge me. So how long? I would say the limit does not exist. All day is not enough time to hang out in a robe. When I'm home, I want to feel like I'm in a hotel or I'm in a spa. I don't want to be walking around in clothes. I want to be like freshly showered, clean, oiled up, moisturized, fresh in a robe. Like I say, you hang out in your robe, let your friends judge you. If you're not hanging out in a robe and feeling like you're at a spa, like get in the shower, get some amazing products clean, oil, moisturize, put your robe on, hang out. Like it's the best feeling. So that would be my hot wellness tip for this episode. Now I'm delirious. So I am going to end there. 
Love you guys. As always, if you haven't rated, reviewed, subscribed, all the things, please do that. And let me know if you want more solos. All right. Love ya. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. You can go to ariellaurie.com. And I'm always posting about each episode over on my personal page at ariellaurie. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.